Hello, and welcome to the Beautiful Business Podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way of doing business. We believe beautiful businesses are led with purpose by people who care, guided by a clear strategy, and soulfully grown. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Beautiful Business Podcast. My name is Ewan Sang, part of the Beautiful Business team, and this week I was joined by Helen Neal. Helen is the founder and CEO of HN Communications, an award-winning sustainability communications agency, and Leaders Live, a thought leadership and specialist event consultancy. HN Communications has recently achieved B Corporation certification and won Best B2B Agency at the UK Agency Awards. HN Communications' core objective is to creatively address the world's urgent climate challenges by bringing together different perspectives for purposeful connections and conversations. Helen, can you give us some background to your experience working with larger organisations? Yeah, I mean, I most of my career before I started working for myself and before I set up the business was working in large global corporates. So I spent probably about five years working at Virgin Atlantic as their government relations manager and worked on all of their kind of policy and campaign aspects of the business, which inevitably brought in the areas around sustainability, as you would well imagine, even back in the, you know, sort of 2005 to 2010 time. And then I stuck with transport, but I moved to car manufacturing and I went to work for Nissan. So I originally started working for Nissan in the UK and then I spent some time in Paris and managed the European function. And latterly in my career there at Nissan before I left, I was responsible for their leadership and strategy communications for the business and working with the senior, the C-suite and the chairman of the AMEO region in terms of their communications. But again, even with Nissan, you know, a big part of my role over that time was to introduce the electric vehicle into the UK and then latterly into Europe. And so again, I think whatever's happened, I don't know in my career, I've always seen to be sucked into some form of like sustainability or climate related issue with the work that I've been doing. So my background is in campaigns and policy and government relations. It's actually not in direct kind of traditional communications. I'd never worked in an agency and I genuinely believe And it might be a controversial thing to say, but the fact that I haven't, I think is a huge benefit for us because we can just create our agency how we feel it's right rather than feel like we have to go through a certain mold. And so I spent a good sort of 16, 17 years within the corporate world overall. And I always loved it. I love big global organizations. I love the kind of, I guess, the big picture-ness of it all and what they're able to do. I certainly never had any desire to set up a business of my own, none whatsoever. So what made you do it then? Six years ago, you set up HN Communications. You've now grown it to nine. What was the spark that kind of pulled you Because you're right, dare I say it, even in car manufacturing, it's a pretty glamorous kind of world out there. The big events, the bright lights. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, we were doing so much and I think... The whole kind of transition to electric vehicles has been super exciting. I'm so proud that I was part of it. But I think I got to the point where it was a couple of things. And I think they probably created a perfect storm. One was it became really difficult to rise up within the organization to beyond a certain point, I think. And I was on a really great trajectory. I was really supported and things were looking really great for me in terms of promotions and all that kind of stuff. And then I had 
two children in quick succession. And I feel that that, for whatever reason, had an impact on my career. From my perspective, it changed my outlook on things as well. And I wanted to be a different person, but I still wanted to be driven in my career, but I also wanted time to be with my kids. And I found that period really hard to reconcile at the time. I just couldn't seem to marry this drive and desire to drive my career forward, but also be a mum at the same time. And I'm sure this is something that a lot of mums and dads will recognise when you have kids. So that was the first part. And then I think the second part was I'd been told about getting promotions and things like that for a while but it just never happened and I remember having a phone call with this I had a brilliant boss he's very nice saying you know oh you know and I think next year you might get the promotion but I think I'd heard this from three bosses over three years and I thought what am I doing I just can't do this anymore so I think I very kindly said thank you very much but I think it's time for me to leave and I think sometimes it's no reflection on them I had a great time working with them. But I think for me and that organization, you know, I'd gone way past the point of actually when I should have left. And it's hard for all of us, isn't it, to know like when is the right time to step off something and try something else. And to be quite honest with you, I left and I had no idea what I was going to do. And I I just thought I just need a break. I just need to sort my head out and work out where I go next. But it was certainly even at that point, it wasn't, oh, I'm going to start a business. So I left, but fortunately, the business came back and said, well, would you do some consulting for us? If you're leaving, would you mind consulting? And I said, oh, okay. I didn't have a huge amount else to do. So I thought, well, at least maybe this is a way that I can do stuff on my own terms and decide my own hours and and all of that kind of thing. And I started consulting. And I think very quickly within like the first six weeks, I remember I went to see a recruitment consultant. It was about a job. And then he said, well, tell me what you're doing now. And I, my face lit up. I started talking about it. And he said, I'm going to be honest with you. Why, why are you looking for a job? You seem like you're really happy. And I think that was my light bulb moment where I thought, oh God, yeah, this is actually what I love doing. I love that kind of consulting and being independent and being free, I think. So from there, the business just started to grow and grow, really. That's fabulous. And I think it's quite a a well-worn path as well, isn't it? Where, Mm -hmm. you know, people kind of hit a point in their life when there's an inflection point when priorities shift and change. And, you know, if the workplace can shift and change with you, fabulous. If not, then you need to make a move, really, don't you? And it it sounds like it's worked out. And I always say, I say to my kids now who were like eight and nine now, but I always say like, you boys saved my career. You kids saved my career because if it wasn't for them, I would definitely still be in a corporate organization. I would, you know, and don't get me wrong. I still love corporate organizations. I get them. I understand them. And I know the challenges that come with them, but I like working from the outside and helping. But by far, the fact that I have my kids, they 100% saved my career. Bless. I just want to take a quick minute to say thanks to our trusted partners, Crystal Hosting. Crystal is a B Corp powered by 100% renewable energy and has a goal of planting 1 billion trees by 2030. Crystal service is super fast and super reliable and they're genuinely really nice people. We're super picky over who we work with as partners at Beautiful Business and we're delighted to count Crystal as one of them. Back to the podcast. Interesting. I just want to pick up on something you, just, you mentioned. This. You had 16 years in the corporate space, so you're obviously familiar with the corporate world, how things move, 
all the little nuances that come with organizations that size as well, the maneuvering and everything else that kind of comes, which you just don't get in a smaller business. Yeah. Well, you do, but it's so much more obvious. Yeah. I'd be really interested to know, loads of our listeners on Beautiful Business Podcast who, you know, would dream for clients like Nissan, like Bosch, like the climate group, some of the people that I understand you work with yeah. or still do work with. But the big organizations, first of all, it can be quite intimidating if you haven't got the sort of background that you have. But when we first spoke, you spoke a little bit about you find yourself being able to shift your mindset when it comes to working with these larger organizations. Could you expand a little bit, Helen, what you mean when you say shifting your mindset to work with corporations? I think when you work with big corporations, I think you have to realize that ultimately there are often lots of small businesses made up of one big business. You know, and so the small businesses are the kind of departments and you'll often be working with one department rather than the overarching business. So that's a smaller team in itself. And then even within that, you might even be within a team within a team. And so actually getting over this feeling of them being massive and you being tiny is one thing. But I think you also need to see the fact that you're small is your superpower. That's your super strength. And you have all of the great attributes of being a small, agile, creative, forward-thinking, adaptable organization that they would dream to have. And I think it's about being that for them and not trying to be like them. You are different and they're employing you because you are the difference that they need to help move forward. With that comes a need for you to also, as a good agency working with a big corporate, understand the challenges and the headaches and the frustrations and the complexity that goes on for them being in a big organization. And that means when you create that piece of work that you're super proud of and your client loves it too, but actually it's now going to go through another 10, 15 processes of sign-off. And that's right. That's not frustrating. I realize it is frustrating, but that's right. It's a big organization and that's going to need to happen. So you need to bake that into your thinking and your approach to the work that you're doing from the get-go. So I think it's about being really empathetic to your client who is part of a big organization, the challenges that they're going to have way beyond what you might see as an agency and be their partner. And I think a lot of our clients tell us, you know, we don't feel like you're a separate organization. We feel like you're our team. So I think I would also say for other agencies, you know, focus on becoming part of their little team or their enclave, their cheerleaders, their supporters, their, you know, wherever you can to make their life easier and less stressful, do it because it's all part of that added value that you want to give back to them and build that relationship, I think. Yeah, 100%. We did a bit of work with one of the big four accountancy firms. And it's so true what you say, they have their own frustrations, their own internal kind of processes that they have to follow. But again, it's an interesting line that you need to trade because I totally follow what you're saying. You come in, you bring a fresh perspective on things. You're almost, in terms of your thinking, you're less restricted with the boundaries that they have and with the limitations that they have. But at the same time, as you say, you need to temper your work in such a way. So one example, we used the wrong green for a circle on one of the things. And it's one of those things. And I think it's perhaps an example of what you're saying. That was a lesson for us learned. Whenever we put one of these little green circles anyway, use the right you yeah. know, hex code because somebody somewhere down the line will pick it up. And, you know, it was so close. It was so close. But it was one of those things where, you know, if you understand your client, if you understand some of the 
rigor that they have to undergo with their process, with their design and whatever it is, the service that you're offering, then it comes back to empathy, doesn't it, Helen? As you yeah. say, understanding the world that they live in and the ways that they have to work. Yeah. Bring your fresh kind of perspective to it. Definitely. And then like going back to that point about the branding, it's that's why you have to think you're the creative brand agency that is bringing this fresh perspective, like you say, Plus, you have to be the internal brand agency that is going to be rigorous and meticulous about all of the detail around what's been agreed as an organization. It's a no-go. And you need to bring both of those to the party and have both mindsets in order to deliver, I think, successfully. How do you set up the team operationally, HN Communications, for working with larger organizations? How do you clarify the roles, responsibilities, or what's the structure there? So we have a structure which some listeners might be familiar with called like a pod structure. So we use a pod structure for our team. So we'll have one pod structure is our kind of account management and project management pod. So those will be the client facing individuals that will sort of interact, make sure that the projects are are delivered on time, that everything goes smoothly, but also might do some of the key deliverables on the day-to-day in terms of whether it's a project or whether it's a retained client. We have another pod, which is our brand and production pod. So this will be doing all of the creative branding and artwork, plus the video production and the filming. And then we will have our events pod that do all of our external events, or if our clients want to put on sustainability-focused events, we help them to do that, or we'll just do standalone events separately. And then, obviously, we've got our kind of, I guess, the business development and our you know, business pod, which I am part of, along with our business development manager and assistant. And that really focuses in on our own team. And that's where all the things like B Corp and culture and all of those good things come as well. So we have these separate pods. They all work across one another. So there's no there's no siloing, like everyone works with everybody, but there's a very clear, everyone knows about their responsibilities and their roles. And of course, when you're nine people, that's quite easy to do. <laughs> you know, it's just when you get really, really big, that becomes, I guess, more of a challenge. Do you find then that, I guess, for different projects or for different clients, the teams for those projects for clients will be composed of different members from different pods? Yeah. So you yeah. have this almost like this overlapping of individuals within your team within separate pods but still collaborating right across that business was that a deliberate more by design or by coincidence (laughs) that was definitely just by coincidence because it just works so I tell you how it is driven in all honesty we look at every client individually in terms of what their brief is what their asks are what their aspirations are and then we will look at what skill sets we think are going to be best suited for that client so it's never one team fits all so every client is different their aspirations and focus is different and so we'll bring in the right people for that team and then that's kind of how it works and that's how we've always done it and to this point it's just worked very successfully also as i say it just means that especially when you've got a globally dispersed team as well it means that you don't have as so much of the dangerous silos building within your organization because there is this cross collaboration yeah. you might be working with somebody in the philippines on this particular client and then you might be working with somebody in the netherlands with that particular client so i hadn't come across the, the concept of pods but the actual concept itself is familiar and i think it's a good yeah. one especially when you're of your kind of size i have a question around working with ngos you mentioned earlier about your your experience in working with and collaborating with NGOs. Do you want to give us a little bit more background there, Helen? What, uh, sure. what kind of work have you done? So we've worked with NGOs probably for the 
past five years. So pretty much since we've established and we've worked on a range of campaigns, really. So we tend to work with NGOs, everything from the strategic development of a communication strategy for a particular campaign for an NGO, all the way through to its delivery. So we would look at, you know, we would create a lot of the creative material, the communications, we would look at things like, you know, the stakeholder engagement plan and engaging with those stakeholders as part of that piece of work on their behalf. I think one of the things why I would say those NGOs like working with us is because we have this big corporate understanding and corporate network. And often those are the key kind of customers that these NGOs that we work with are looking to engage with. So we get the corporate world, which our NGOs like, and our corporate world like us because we get the NGO world. And I think marrying up those two, we see some really great successes in terms of you know, ongoing delivery around sustainability, but also transparency around communication and authenticity. And I talked earlier about kind of sharing that vulnerability. To be honest, that I learned that from my time working with those NGOs. I saw how much they were always looking for kind of real world case studies of where stuff was working or where it wasn't working and trying to explain the challenges, but also the successes at the same time. And I saw how well that works in terms of that real transparent, open, honest communication. And I think trying to embed some more of that into the corporate world is really important. And we also, I would say in the past kind of year and a half since COVID finished, we've also done a lot more in the kind of event space for NGOs as well, because we have a real high level of sustainability focus, both in terms of how we deliver but also in terms of the content, the messaging and the kind of strategy that might go behind curating an event. We've done a lot more events in the sustainability space on sustainability done sustainably, if you like. Mm. So that's why we've just recently worked on Climate Week in terms of the opening ceremony and the Climate Hub as well in terms of, you know, the event curation, but also the event management of that too, which is really great because it, you know, again, it feeds us as a team in terms of our knowledge and the topics that get discussed and being part of that too. So it works really nicely. That's fabulous. And such a wonderful project and client to have on. I yeah, mean, we felt really lucky. Fair, that's mega. I guess when you're working with NGOs, so we've got personally quite limited experience, we work with one, but it is very, very interesting. The Almost like the change in dynamic at the senior level, at the board level, because we mentioned, I think, earlier around the different pressures that, you know, corporate boards are under, be it from shareholders, investors and things like this. And it's a different set of pressures. I wouldn't say they don't have any pressure on them from an NGO perspective, but it's a different set of pressures. And perhaps that's what allows or certainly makes it easier for this level of transparency in terms of how they operate. And it is really interesting as well, as you say, that one of the big lessons that you take from working with NGOs is around that transparency, around that yeah. vulnerability. And I think linked into that is authenticity yeah. that the corporate world can benefit so much from. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why I'm so keen that corporates and NGOs work more and more together. And I really think, as we talked at the very start, didn't we, about like changing culture, what future leadership is going to look like, the growth of kind of sustainability I think more and more as those things grow, and I believe they will, everything is telling us that it's growing, that need for the corporate world and the NGO world to come together and collaborate and work together is going to be more and more important. They're going to need each other more and more. And we're already starting to see that 
there is a lot of success and action and delivery that comes out of that collaboration. So we do some work with Climate Group and they run RE100, which is around renewable energy. It has hundreds of all of the big kind of global brands that you would recognize, members of this organization. They can come together, share their challenges, share their opportunities, but all through the guise of the NGO to kind of help them move forward. And a lot of these businesses have got commitments as part of being within RE100 to reach and to hit. And they're working together to help one another move forward. And I think that's where this collaboration piece becomes so essential for where business is heading over the course of the next you know, 5, 10, 15 years as we get to 2050. That collaboration is going to be absolutely key. It sounds cheesy, maybe, but no single business can achieve sustainability and be sustainable on its own. The only way it's going to do that is through this greater collaboration than we've ever seen before. And again, it's really interesting. We spoke right up at the top about the changing attitudes from consumers and from businesses and the choices that they make and how they've been influenced by, you know, sustainability, people for planet. All that was going through my mind as you were speaking there was around, you know, if we can get this common alignment between NGOs and corporates, as you say, the collaboration, and when they come together, amazing things will happen, progress will be made. And perhaps relating to the earlier point about, you know, the values and sustainability pushing higher and higher on the agenda and becoming much more of a focus point for corporates. Maybe there is this convergence of purpose, convergence of values, which, as you say, we've got to take advantage of. We've got to kind of work together, both from an NGO perspective, from a corporate perspective, in order to make the progress that we need. Yeah, I agree. And I think that there are plenty of businesses out there and NGOs that share those values that you've just described. I also think that there are some NGOs and there are some corporates that are not there yet. And there is space for criticism. There is space for push and, you know, sharing the uncomfortable from the NGO space. There is a need for that. And I feel that that should continue to happen. But we must also offer the solutions. And we, you know, I think it's really important to keep positive and believe that we can and that we will move forward. And that's only going to come, in my opinion, through big global business and government. You know, really, they are the ones that will drive the change for the rest of us. That doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't be doing our bit. And of course, we should be. But really, meaningful change comes from these big global corporations and governments. And we need to get behind them and push and hold them to account, but also help them get there positively as well. A big thank you to Helen Neal, the founder and CEO of HN Communications, for joining us on this week's podcast. Thank you for joining us for this week's Beautiful Business podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way to do business. Join us next time for more interesting discussions on how businesses can bring about change, helping communities, building a fairer society and safeguarding the planet. You can also join in the discussion at www.beautifulbusiness.uk.